joy, I think, and from the research that I did, uh, comes from something deeper, usually connected with meaning and purpose, right? So if you're doing something um, that taps into a way that gives you meaning to your life or meaning to your work, um, suddenly it starts to feel like joy. And and if that's what you're doing, activism very naturally sort of plays with joy in that case. It's not to say that you're going to be happy all the time, but certainly as you make progress and start including more meaning and purpose in your life, joy starts to emerge. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss, and I am really honored to share with you today's new episode because not only is it so good, but you're just going to love our guest. So I'm joined by Karen Walren. She's a lawyer, leadership coach, activist, and the author of The Lightmaker's Manifesto, How to Work for Change Without Losing Your Joy. And if you've been listening to Seek the Joy podcast for a while, and I think especially in 2020, you know I talked often, and I do continue to talk often, about this need or this ability that we have as humans to hold joy, celebration, um, happiness, love in one hand, and then disappointment, anger, frustration, sadness in the other. That these emotions, these experiences are not meant to be mutually exclusive, but that we can really have one at the same time as the other. And it's about learning to hold both at the same time. And so I think it's probably very safe to say that I was so excited to sit down with Karen for today's new episode because we really dive in to her new book, The Lightmaker's Manifesto. And that's really all about how activism and joy are not mutually exclusive. In fact, it is our joy that can be the fuel of our activism. So we talk about this connection between joy and activism. Karen talks to us about why she didn't necessarily see herself as an activist and how she defines activism. We then dive into how we can distinguish joy from happiness, why joy is driven by purpose and meaning, and the connection between activism and spirituality. We talk too about how we can work for change and advocate for the causes that we care about without losing our joy, which is huge because burnout can often be a big part of activism or speaking up or speaking our truth. And so we dive into that as well. And the difference between what sparks our activism and the fuel that keeps us going. I was so curious about how we can sustain our joy, sustain our joy and sustain our activism through it. And Karen just has the most beautiful insight. Plus, Karen shares the self-inquiry strategies that will help us dive deeper into this work, how she's making light in the world, her word for 2022, her go-to affirmation, and so much more. One of the reasons why I do this podcast is because I really want you to be able to live a happier more joyful, and just ease-filled life. And so that's why I'm so happy to share that today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. The last year and a half, there is no doubt it's been difficult. And that's why I think now more than ever, it's important that we have reliable resources that we can turn to. And that's where BetterHelp comes in. So this is how it works. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's easy and free to change counselors if you don't think the person you're matched with is a good fit. And this service is available for people worldwide too. 
BetterHelp also offers a broad range of expertise in their counselor network, so you'll get timely and thoughtful responses, and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions too. So as a listener of Seek the Joy podcast, you will get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash seek the joy. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash seek the joy. The link will also be included in our show notes. Before we dive in to today's new episode with Karen, I just want to take a second to say that I know activism can be a huge concept or thing or entity to wrap our arms around. And the last two years, there's been a gift of greater opportunity for activism and greater opportunity to speak up and speak our truth and be involved, I think, in ways that maybe so many of us didn't anticipate. And Karen shares, she she started writing this book, like right as the pandemic hit. And the timing is just so, so interesting. But there's something that she says in this episode, remembering that the goal isn't the finish line. It's actually the journey. It's actually this process of tapping into your joy, of tapping into what inspires you, motivates you, keeps you energized. That's then going to be the fuel that keeps you going, that allows you to be a greater participant in this level of activism. So Karen, thank you for such a wonderful conversation as always. I can't wait to hear what you think about this one. So make sure to join the conversation on our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. Send me an email, send me a DM, uh, rate and review the podcast, follow us wherever it is that you're tuning in right now. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Karen Walrand. Karen, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. So first of all, thank you for coming on Seek the Joy. You are going to be, I think, like one of the first episodes that I air in 2022. Oh, I'm thrilled. That's exciting. It's really, really (laughs) exciting. So to start this off, you know, usually I love to dive into like who you are and your work, but have you started thinking at all about 2022 or an intention or a word maybe that comes to mind? I've been thinking, I mean, for context, we're, we're talking the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about this. So curious for you, if, if an intention or a word, maybe that will sum up that this new year, if any of that has come to mind yet for you. Yeah. You know, it's so funny that you bring that up because I think I came up with my word yesterday. I've been doing this for like, um, gosh, maybe a decade. I've been coming up with a word or words. And actually, um, part of the reason that I wrote my book that we're going to be talking Mm -hmm. about had to do a lot with the word. So I think um, expansiveness is kind of a word that keeps coming up. So I think expansive or expansiveness, something Mm -hmm. like that, but I'm Mm -hmm. not sure. What about you? I keep coming back to either courage Mm. or um, just forward. The word forward keeps coming to mind because I think And this kind of goes hand in hand with expansiveness. The last two years almost, we've been in this space of navigating how to just maintain ourselves. And if Mm -hmm. we can do anything above and beyond, that's felt like a huge victory. So just the ability to continue to move forward and expand and have courage within that, I think. Oh, how beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. No, more of it. We need more of it. We need more of it. Here's to 2022, man. I know. I'm here for it. I'm ready. I don't know about you. Just give me a brand new year. Give me a brand new year. So you brought up your your new book. Mm. Um, and I would love to 
dive into it. It's called the Lightmakers Manifesto, how to work for change without losing your joy. Amen. This is, when I got an email, like talking about you and your new book, I was like, oh my God, because this has been a huge thing for me. How can we continue to make change, to speak up for the things that we feel passionate about uh, that are either bothering us in the world, or we Mm want to make change, or we want to do something on behalf of somebody else. But then how do we do it without losing our joy? Because it can feel super heavy for sure. lack of a better word. No, that's uh, a great draining, word. Yeah. Um, exhausting, exhausting. Yes. Dis- so discouraging, depleting, like all, all of, of the words. things. Exactly. Yeah. And then the process of filling your tank back up is a whole other thing. So before yeah. we even get to that though, I'm curious, before you started writing this book, did you even see yourself as an activist? No. <laughs> did I answer that fast enough? <laughs> yes, you no. did. It was like a hell no, I did not. <laughs> no, I did not. And you know, it's so funny because, um, since writing the book, I've had a lot of people who've read the book email me or call me and say, you know what? I think I'm an activist. I Mm. I absolutely did not um, think of it that way. So the, the way the book came, I actually wasn't, um, it wasn't my idea, right? Like I I would love to say that I had this muse in me that was crying Mm. to get out, but it wasn't my idea. My publisher who I had never worked with before emailed me and had you know, signed up for my newsletter on my website and had read some of that. And also that I had contributed to a a couple of other books. Um, And she said, I would like you to write a book. We were, we were looking for a book on the intersection of joy and activism. And I think you could write it. Hmm. And I, because I choose a word of the year, I actually had two words. This was January 2nd, by the way, 2020, when I got this email. Oh my God. So pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic. Pre-George Floyd. Pre-Brianna Taylor. Mm -hmm. Pre-Ahmed, pre-everything, right? Everything. And uh, I got this email and my words for 2020 were bold and experiment. I had chosen oh, two words. Wow. And so this email came in and I was like, normally I would have ignored it. Normally mm-hmm. I'd have been like, I don't know who this person is, I, um, but bold and experiment, right? So I, I took a call with her and she said, I think you should, you can do this. And I said, yes, I can at bold and experiment, baby. And then hung up the phone or hung up the zoom and went, I am totally not qualified to do this. Like mm-hmm. I am not, I, I've written a lot about joy and I do, I do think a lot about joy and gratitude and, and, um, but you know, I'm not an activist. I, I've done activisty things, I suppose. Like I've marched in a pride parade. I've done yeah. a woman's march. I, yeah. you know, I've traveled to places as a photographer and did work with organizations and NGOs, but that's not an activist. An activist is somebody who like gets, tear gassed or mm. arrested, right? That, that's, those are activists. Um, so, but I had already committed that I was going to do it. And so, or at least pitch it, right? Like put together a, a book proposal for yeah. her. And so I thought, well, I love interviewing people. So let me think about who I can think of that I really love that I think are activists. And Brene Brown is a dear friend of mine. And I think of her very much as an anti-discrimination activist. And mm-hmm. Tarana Burke is a friend of mine. And she's, you know, with her Me Too movement, I think of her as, a, you know, an activist for people who have suffered um, sexual assault. And so I made this list and I suddenly realized that all the people that I put on my list were not people that I necessarily associated with getting arrested or getting tear gassed. Oh, wow. And yeah. so I thought, well, why am I okay with calling them activists, but I'm not okay with calling myself one. Mm-hmm. And that really, that exploration is really what the book is about. Like that's really what ended up becoming the Lightmakers Manifesto. Mm, I, I love what you shared that you didn't see 
so you didn't see yourself as an activist, but you were surrounded by all these incredible people mm. in your life who you saw as an activist, but maybe didn't fit that direct mold. Yeah. I think we're all activists in we our own be, way, you know, for sure. Yeah. And it doesn't have to fit maybe that model or view or what we typically think in activists is I'm curious today, like, do you have a new definition for activist or activism since writing the book? Well, you know, I do. Right. So, so I feel like, I feel like. Don't blow my cover here, Karen. (laughs) So I feel like activist is anybody who's led by their values Mm -hmm. to purposeful action in the hope of making the world brighter for others. Right. Mm, So Um, good. So, yeah, I mean, I, we all can be activists. I don't know that we all are activists, but I think if you, if you are moved to purposeful action, because something in your values tell you, you have to do something and you do it for the benefit of it might benefit you, but you're doing it for the benefit of a community of other people. You get to call yourself an activist, whether or not you are marching in the streets and getting tear gassed or your letter writing or you're calling representatives or you're starting a foundation or whatever, or you're making something that the proceeds of which will help support whatever it is. You can mm-hmm. def- definitely become a politician, whatever it is. Absolutely. Mm, I love what you said when you are led by your values mm to do something much larger than yourself, to help others. By extension, it does help you, but it's really about helping others. And activism, when I think about the word activism, the word act is in there. Like you're literally doing something for the benefit, I think, of the greater whole. But I think a lot of us are, I mean, at least sometimes I can be intimidated by the word activism. Like it feels really big. And when we are led to activism, when we are led to act, it's not really coming out of great things most of the time, like happy, joyful moments in our lives or in society. And I know the book really explores how joy and activism are not mutually exclusive, right? Like they can really go hand in hand. So I'm curious about this because activism doesn't necessarily come from joy. At least it hasn't in my experience for the most part. Yes. I think, I mean, I think you're right that we don't get into activism because things are great, right? Like we usually get into activism because something has really like made us angry or Mm -hmm. broken our hearts or, um, but I think also we have to, you know, just as we talk about what does activism look like, I think we also have to talk about what does joy look like? Mm, And I distinguish joy from happiness. Like I think happiness is something that's really fleeting. That's sort of, you know, an external, um, circumstance that makes you happy. Like, you know, people wish you happy birthday on your birthday or, Mm -hmm. you know, your, your barista makes your latte exactly like you like it or what you write, like, or you get a bonus check. Like that's, those are, that's happy, but joy, I think, um, and from the research that I did, uh, comes from something deeper, usually connected with meaning and purpose, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're doing something, um, that, taps into a way that gives you meaning to your life or meaning to your work, um, suddenly it starts to feel like joy. And, mm-hmm. and if that's what you're doing, activism very naturally sort of plays with joy in that case. It's not to say that you're going to be happy all the time, but certainly as you make progress in start including more meaning and purpose in your life, joy starts to emerge. Mm-hmm. Purpose and meaning, joy and its connection to purpose and meaning. And the more I think about what you're sharing, I mean, it speaks so much to me and what we've been talking on this podcast about for the last four years is Mm. 
when you step into what makes you feel good, what makes mm-hmm. you feel the most alive, whether other people understand it or not, but if it just makes you feel good, you're tapping into this inherent purpose you have within you, which is just to be the fullest, in my opinion, to be the fullest expression of who you are. Yeah. So when you start to explore that for yourself and find meaning from what you're doing, joy joy comes from it. So to me, it makes sense. If yeah. part of that for you is activism and speaking up or speaking out or supporting causes or people or things, moments that resonate and are important to you that coincide with your values, then hell yeah, joy comes from that. Absolutely. And yeah. I think it, it, you know, and then, and part of what the book talks about is, especially if you're doing something that generally lights you up mm-hmm. in service for others. Right. So, um, if you're doing something, if like, I don't know if letter writing is not your thing, but you're like, okay, the only way to be an activist is letter, write. Well, you're going to end up burning out. You're going to end up getting tired or just, you know, but if you're just, if singing is your thing and you figure out a way to use your voice in singing, to help support a community. Well, now you're doing something you love and you're doing it in a meaningful way. It starts to really feel easy to access that joy. It's so interesting what you were just sharing about when you're doing something that resonates for you, you won't feel depleted. You won't feel um, burned out. And this brings me something to something that I really wanted to ask you about is, you know, how can we really go about working for these causes or these things that we care about without losing our joy. And a lot of it sounds like it's about finding what resonates, but I'm curious if there's more, if there's more to that, like, how can we really dive in without experiencing burnout? Are there things that we can do, um, that are sort of self-preservation? I don't know if that's the right word, but mm-hmm. I, hopefully you know what I mean, where yeah. we can really, uh, maintain ourselves, um, and have sustainability maybe, maybe sure. through it. Sure. So again, that was part of the whole, the whole, um, journey of writing this book was really interviewing people who I thought mastered this, right? Mm -hmm. Like figured out how to do this in a way that they seemed like happy, joyful people, even as they worked in situations that are very difficult and tough. And one of the best, um, the best wisdom, I think, one of them that I got was from a sick, S-I-K-H, sick American activist, Valerie Kaur. Um, and Valerie is, she does a lot of work on, um, in discrimination, uh, particularly against, uh, uh, you know, ant- like anti-Muslim discrimination, anti-immigrant mm-hmm. d- discrimination. She's a lawyer. She's a, she's a filmmaker. She's, I mean, She's an author of a great book called See No, See no Stranger, and she's also a faith leader. And mm. one of the things that she, uh, the reason that I actually found her was that she had done this amazing, amazing um, talk. Uh, it was uh, the 2016, I think, in 2016. And it was this talk that she did, you can Google it, uh, and it was at a faith um, community. And it was about, um, it was called a Sick, a, a Sick Prayer for America. Mm. was the name of it if you google it and she uses the the imagery or the metaphor of the midwife and when somebody gives birth the midwife tells you to breathe first and then push breathe and then push um and so she talks about activism that we can take that wisdom into activism and that rhythm of breathing and pushing right and so what you do is that you stop and you breathe. And it's not just self-care, although that's certainly a component of it, but it's also gathering the energy, Mm. right? Gathering yourself in order to push forward in the March for Justice. And so for her, 
activism is about the rhythm, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really, really important um, aspect that we don't talk about a lot is that there is, it is, it should be rhythmic and the, the way that you do like create longevity in the work and sustainability in the work is really sort of tapping into the rhythm of being able to know, okay, I've pushed as long as I can now. Now mm -hmm. I'm going to stop and I'm going to breathe. I'm going to gather myself. That could be self-care. It could be a media break. It could be whatever, but you grab, you know, you, you gather that energy and then you push forward again. Mm -hmm. um, so that was one thing that was really helpful um, for me. The other is also sort of remembering that the goal isn't the finish line. Mm -hmm. the goal is progress. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's sort of a, um, when you, when you realize that you may not make it to the finish line, um, it sounds a little depressing, but it actually is quite freeing because mm -hmm. now it's just about really sort of being able to breathe and push and tap into that rhythm so that you can pass the baton on to people who come after you, who mm -hmm. can continue that march. Honoring and tapping into the rhythms of yeah. any cycle, any movement, your own physicality, your own physiology, sure. huge. Because yeah. we, we often feel, at least when we're excited, we're motivated, we're passionate, we want to put that foot on the accelerator sure. and keep it there. Like put a brick on top and be like, all right, I'm off to the races. But that's really where a lot of the burnout comes in because you're not honoring or tapping into those rhythms. I love what you said too. The goal is progress. The goal yeah. is the journey. We're not going to, I don't know about you, but I don't think we're going to see the finish line in yeah. our lifetime when it comes to, uh, anti-racism, when it comes to um, eradicating white supremacy, the financial wage gap. I mean, I could go on women's rights. I think it's depressing, but I don't think we're going to see the finish line in our lifetime. But I love what you said that it kind of, it, for lack of a better expression, it takes the stakes out. It takes the pressure off knowing that you're moving towards progress and you're laying a good solid foundation through your own advocacy, through your own joy that can Absolutely. inspire somebody else who then will take that baton and do the work themselves and then take that baton and pass it on too. How beautiful and how freeing because we often feel like, oh my God, we've got to do it right now. And yeah, yeah. we do. We got to do the important work. We have to have the necessary conversations, policy changes, everything, but we cannot do it all by ourselves and all in this lifetime. There's no Absolutely. way. There's Absolutely. no way. So I love what you said, honoring the rhythms and recognizing that the goal is progress. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, you know, day by day, you, you, you do what you can. Mm -hmm. um, that's all we can do, right? Mm -hmm. And we do it in community and we do it and we celebrate the wins and there's all these different ways that we can make sure that we just, we don't burn out, right? Like yeah. that we, 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 enjoy, we enjoy the ride. We enjoy mm -hmm. the rhythm. Mm -hmm. I'm curious too, that something that came to mind as you were speaking, when talking about these rhythms, mm -hmm. I'm curious if what fuels you makes a difference. So if it's anger, if it's sadness, if it's joy, does that fuel, does that make a difference when it comes to sustainability and activism? I don't know if that question even makes sense, but if you're fueled by rage, I guess, does that fuel you more so than joy? Does joy fuel you more than anger and rage? I go back and forth because I think, well, I don't want to answer my own question. I, I want to <laughs> curious what you want, what you think. Well, one of the things that I always think about, because I do hear people say that, that, you know, fueled by rage or fueled by anger or fueled by heartbreak. Mm -hmm. I like to think of those, um, those emotions actually as not the fuel, but the spark, mm. like those are the things that actually spark you into movement. And so, um, one of the things that I, I want to be very clear about with this book is this is not some sort of woo woo, happy think 
happy and it will be happy. Like, of course, you're going to feel heartbreak yeah. and fury and all of those emotions that are very challenging and difficult. Um, but they're, they are, um, they are that spark. They are the thing that makes that, that, that maybe does that in, initial pro, you know, Mm -hmm. propulsion, but what fuels you and what continues that is the doing it in community, celebrating the wins, taking self-care, making sure that you take some time off before mm -hmm. you push again, getting creative. Um, all of those things, that's the fuel for me. Yeah. That's what I think of as the fuel. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I would just, I, I would, um, just offer maybe another way to think about I love what it. that is. Yeah. Yeah. Spark versus fuel. What yeah. ignites you is not going to be what sustains you necessarily. It Absolutely. can be, but it may not necessarily be. I'm curious because something we had talked about a little bit ago was joy and its connection to purpose and meaning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I also think about purpose and meaning, I think a lot about spirituality. Mm -hmm. I think about um, something greater than, than who we are or what we are. And so I'm curious through the book or through your research or putting all of this together, exploring this for yourself, have you found a greater connection between activism, joy, and, and spirituality? Yeah. So I, this was one of the first things that I actually tackled in the book was the, mm. the question of spirituality, because I wondered if like a belief in God or a belief in higher power was really sort of necessary, mm -hmm. um, uh, in order to do this. And so the people that I interviewed, uh, are from all sorts of faith or not faith backgrounds, right? Some of them were, are, you know, some of them are Christian, some of them are Jewish, some of them are atheists, right? Some of them, some of them used to be Christian and are no longer Christian, you know, like yeah. it was their, I, I just mentioned Valerie, who's sick. So, um, so I really wanted to get into this sort of idea of how much faith and or spirituality was important in activism. And one of the uh, first people I interviewed was a friend of mine who, um, he, uh, he's the director of the Young Center here in Houston. He's the executive director. He's a PhD psychologist, but he also has a master's, I think, in religious studies. Um, and if you ask him what his faith is, he would say sort of it's complicated, right, <laughs> sort of thing. So, And he describes spirituality to me as something that I thought was really interesting. He, he said spirituality is about experiences of meaning. Uh, experiences meaning, which is such a mm. great definition. And so by that definition, activism can feel very spiritual, right? Because mm -hmm. it can feel very transcendent. It's about sort of believing in something bigger than us. And it's not, the, and that believe that something may be God, it may be humanity, it may be love, it, may, it can be anything, whatever it is that we believe in. Um, and I don't think we activists I think if we didn't believe in something better, bigger than us, whatever that is, um, mm -hmm. interconnectedness, love, whatever you want to call it, if we did believe in that, I don't think we'd be activists. I mean, mm -hmm. the whole point is really sort of making the world better, making it better for people. Um, and so I feel like there there is something there about spirituality, but maybe not in sort of the superficial definition of spirituality, There's, that it's something deeper. Mm-hmm. So that it doesn't necessarily require us to have a spiritual practice to Correct. participate in activism or to be to have our joy fuel our activism, but more so that activism really creates, I love this, these experiences of meaning. Yeah. And it's really, I have found for me, I'm curious for you too, when you have those experiences that are meaningful for you, that ignite you, that propel you, 
it, that's really where a lot of that sustainability comes from. This ability Absolutely. to continue to work towards, move towards, advocate for, for, and towards the things that are important to you, because you keep coming back to almost this spark, this, um, this moment of connection, of meaning, uh, this experience that has connected you in a way that wouldn't otherwise. Oh, it's so beautiful. I I, I really love that. That experience is a meaning. Yeah. It was, it was such, it literally sort of kind of exploded everything for me. He was, uh, Sean, this, the Sean Fitzpatrick, who's the director of the Young mm-hmm. Center. He um, was actually the second person I interviewed. The first person was actually a faith leader. He was a, he was a minister um, at the, in the United Church of Canada. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, activism can be very spiritual, but I thought, you know what? I don't know if I trust your answer because your job is sort of, you know, mm-hmm. as a faith leader. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really interesting to hear from somebody else and that was secular, that was like, oh, this you know, this is what this is about. And so, yeah, I mean, do you need a spiritual practice? I mean, I don't know if you, do you think of that rhythm that we talked about, about that self? I mean, that could be a spiritual practice, but you don't need a faith home, right? I think is, is probably that for sure you don't need one. I love that. You don't need a faith home. You don't need to be connected to a certain faith to participate. And, you know, it's interesting because the more I've dived into this work of joy, because for Mm. me, this has been a journey of joy the last four years and tapping into my own mindfulness practice. And really it's become a practice of self-exploration to be honest. And so when we were talking about those rhythms and honoring those rhythms, that's what that is. It is Mm. a practice of mindfulness. It is a practice of honoring yourself and um, taking a moment, I think, to evaluate, where am I? How do I feel? And it's so interesting, this connection between joy, mindfulness, and activism, which ties in inherently spirituality, which ties in inherently, I think, um, connection with others. It ties in this ability to um, see beyond yourself, which Mm -hmm. sometimes I think we really need. We can get really wrapped up in our own stuff. How beautifully connected this, this whole theme, this whole experience is. I'm sure throughout the book, researching and writing the book, you, you had to have had these like incredible light bulb moments along the way where you're like, Oh, I didn't think about it that way, but I get it now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, every single person I interviewed and I interviewed about a dozen people said something that I was like, Oh my God, I'd never Mm -hmm. considered it that way. And so what's funny, um, not funny, haha, but unusual is I, um, so I signed the deal to write this book probably in March of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and then basically, pandemic. you know, literally the pandemic happened. George Floyd was killed. Breonna Taylor was killed. And I remember my publisher, the one who had emailed me that day, she called me one day and she's like, I feel like I should apologize to you for making you write a book about joy and activism when the world oh, is wow. on fire, right? Like, yeah. like, and I said, you know, actually it's been such a gift because- mm-hmm as everything is just falling apart around us, I'm speaking with people who have made it their life's work to make sure that we're all taken care of. And there's something mm-hmm. really healing about connecting with people who are focused on making the world brighter mm-hmm. um, during times that are so dark, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that they would have shown as brightly as they did, um, yeah. but for the fact that we were in a really, really tough year. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But it's interesting, you know, I'm thinking about the people that you did interview in the book and I'm curious how you even chose those people, but 
before I ask you that question, it's interesting because these are all people who have made this their life's work, but they do so without denying the reality of what's happening around them. Absolutely. Right? With, with a full acknowledgement of the pain, of the hurt, of the brutality, of the anger, the rage, um, everything. And I think sometimes we as human as humans can try and ignore all that stuff and just focus on the good or the positive or the joy, but we've got to do both at the same time. And every single person you interview for this book has this amazing ability to do both and to reflect on both and find that joy and that spark and that light while still acknowledging the reality of what's happening around us. And so I want to know, like, how did you pick these 12 people? Or, Or I think it's a little bit more, but how did you pick all these people for the book? Well, some of them for sure, like Brene and Tarana were friends, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was sort of an easy, um, they, Valerie, an easy phone call, like, yeah, come on like board. I was like, can you help me with this? <laughs> right. Um, and Valerie core was another one who, um, so, so it was really, so some of them were, were good friends. Je, uh, yeah. Jess Weiner is also a very good friend of mine. She's, um, she does a lot of stuff for helping empower women and girls, right. Mm-hmm. Particularly girls. Um, and then Jess introduced me. She was like, you know, as long as you're doing this, you should meet this friend of mine, Zuri Adele, who's an actor. Mm. Um, and so, so people became friends as part of the process as well. So, so some of them were friends of friends. Um, one person, uh, Jordan Seabury, who is an absolute, just, he's, he's an angel on, on the planet, as far as I'm concerned, um, mm. was, uh, I found because a friend of mine, he's an artist and a friend of mine had shared his art on her Instagram feed. And so wow. I went and clicked on him and his bio said, um, public policy director by day, artist by night. And I was mm. like, I'm I intrigued. And so I just sent him, a, you know, I just cold called him and said, um, would you be interested in, in being interviewed for this book? So it was, some of it was just serendipitous. Some of the people were, um, I happened to meet Sean, the head of the Young Center. He and I are both members of an organization, Houston Coalition Against Hate. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I didn't know him. I had gone to the meeting, but he did a presentation and I approached him afterwards and said, I think you can help me with this. And so mm-hmm. it was, some of it was serendipity. Some of it were long, you know, friends I've known for years. Some of them yeah. were, became friends as part of the process. Hmm. I'm curious. I, I've been thinking a lot about what we were saying at the beginning of this conversation. You just didn't think you were an activist, yeah. but this book, obviously in the research and all these incredible interviews, have changed your perspective, but I'm curious about how your own experiences have impacted or influenced your perspective, maybe around activism and joy. Cause we all have our own maybe experiences or moments. I think that that shape, maybe how we think about things. I'm curious if you've had, if there are moments in your life that also impacted the way you think about this, um, in addition to the conversations and the interviews and the research and, and everything that went into, it went into the book. I mean, so the the first thing that I think the first sort of aha that happened um, for me was I had I had done a lot of work with the One Campaign, which is an organization mm-hmm. um, that's an advocacy organization that helps fight extreme poverty and preventable disease. And when I first started writing the book, my thought was I've you know I traveled to Africa, you know, several times with this organization, different parts of Africa, different countries. And that was fun for me. I was Mm -hmm. going as a photographer. I love photography. Um, and so I thought, well, I'll write, I'll open the book with, you know, a something that I did that I thought was fun. Um, 
And then in the writing of that, I realized that the lesson wasn't the fact that it was fun for me. The lesson was in the fact that the people that I was working with, um, who were, you know, they were basically, they were home healthcare workers and they were traveling from home to home, Mm -hmm. um, testing families for HIV. And of course, sometimes people tested positive. And so they're dealing with, you know, sometimes children tested positive. Um, and yet they were very joyful. And so Mm -hmm. I sort of realized that that, you know, literally in the writing of the book, like, first of all, it wasn't about me. It was about witnessing this. Yeah. And then the, and that was sort of the thing that made me realize it, difficult situations can still result in joy. And that's mm-hmm. what happened here. Um, and I also, I mean, one of the things I think that I learned about myself was that I need to give myself some grace, right? Because I, because I had made this idea that had this idea that activism had to be painful and difficult and that I was not worthy of the title, I guess, of activism. Yeah. Um, and I realized that that's just not true, that as activists, of course, we deal with difficult stuff, but we don't have to suffer, right? Like we, we don't have to suffer as activists. Mm-hmm. Um, our job is to help prevent the suffering. And mm-hmm. so, um, and if we do suffer, that there's a way to get into that rhythm to sort of take care of ourselves. And so I guess really sort of the reflection, just like just like, you know, the people who email me and say, oh, you know, I think I might be an activist. I mean, for sure that happened for me as part of this, like, totally. oh yeah, that's, yeah. that is something that I do. And also the idea that activism for some of these people, activism is their full-time job, but mm-hmm. for a lot of them, it's not for a lot of them. It's, it's something that they, they do or something that they bring into their job. Um, mm-hmm. Like I think of Brene as somebody who her work is not about activism, right? It's about courage and empathy. And, Mm -hmm. but she, as part of what she does, she does sort of try to make sure that she's showing up as an ally and as an activist. And I think that there's ways that we can do that even as, Mm -hmm. even if our full-time jobs has nothing to do with specifically activism. Yeah. The book is filled with these moments and opportunities Mm -hmm. for self-inquiry and to really dive in and, and I think explore exactly what you're talking about is that even if activism is not part of my full-time job, how can it be an aspect of what I do? How can I pull it in to my work? How can I make it part of me? I think in a lot of ways, can we give people maybe a little bit of a a preview of, of what maybe some of those opportunities for self-inquiry are in the book? I know a lot of your work, you're a photographer, you're, you've got this incredible blog, you're, you're, you're a former lawyer. And as a current lawyer, I have so much respect for the former lawyer. <laughs> I didn't know you. you were a lawyer as well. That's lawyer. awesome. Yeah. So um, I'm curious if we can give people maybe a little, maybe a little preview or an idea of what is kind of woven through the book as these moments of uh, maybe self-reflection or, or self-inquiry. Yeah. So I'm a really, um, I'm a really big fan of journalings. I, I mm-hmm. journal a lot um, and I journal in a way that I think maybe most people would not um, expect. I think people who don't journal think it's sort of a dear diary kind of thing. And that's not what I do. I, I literally <laughs> spill my journal. I, I, I scratch, I throw scratch paper in it. I just throw stuff in it. Yeah. Um, and so uh, the book itself actually has what I call a, a light maker's manual in the back of the book that actually has a bunch of journaling prompts and a bunch of questions that you can ask yourself um, as you try to figure out how you would like to serve right? Mm-hmm. As an activist. Um, but one, um, and it's not a, it's not an exercise that I, I, I can't claim it as my own original exercise, but one way that I often share with people just to get started is a, 
a sort of a practice of asking yourself three questions every morning. And the three questions are, how can I feel connected today? How can I feel healthy today? And how can I feel purposeful today? And they're very simple questions. And usually the answers to those, you put them on your to-do list for the day. So connected could be, I'm just going to send an email to my mom. I haven't talked to her in a while. I just want to say hi. Connected could be, I'm actually going to reach out to a friend and have a meal or whatever. Um, healthy can be, I'm going to hit it hard at the gym, but healthy can also mean I'm going to take a disco nap for 20 minutes today. Mm-hmm. Or, what? or healthy can mean I'm going to go on a media diet today or whatever. And then purposeful is what can I do to to feel like I've been of service today. And it could be, I'm going to donate money. It could be, I'm going to um, start a foundation. It can be anything, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. what I think happens is if you have that habit of asking those three questions, like even just say 21 days, what may happen is you'll start to, the answers will start to give you some insight into what that thing is that you're like, I should work toward this, or I have this gift that I really love to do. And maybe there's a way to use it of service, but it starts to give you a glimpse into that. So mm-hmm. that's always like my first step is like 21 days. Those three questions can be really, really helpful. I love this because it comes back to, I think the entire, I don't want to say theme, but something that keeps coming up through this conversation is being led by your values, mm-hmm. how these experiences can bring about meaning and purpose and connect you to your joy and having this moment to think about what is going to make me um, feel connected today, have healthy today. I mean, huge. Just yeah. talk about starting off on a, I don't want to say the right foot, but I want to say in a way that makes you feel grounded. Yeah, in and the a mindful moment. foot. In, yeah. Yep, the mindful foot. I love this. Yeah. Okay, so- <laughs> The book is called The Lightmaker's Manifesto. Mm -hmm. And behind you, it says making light. And so I have to keep making light. (laughs) So I've got to ask, how do you see yourself continuing to make light Uh, in this world? Well, one of the things that I talk about is um, in the book is about writing a spark statement. So writing Mm -hmm. about what is it that you want to stand for? What is the sort of legacy that you want to leave? Um, and for me, like my passion and my, the thing, the cause that I'm always, um, very, um, moved by is sort of, uh, anti-bigotry, anti-discrimination of all kinds. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I feel like my, my work is to kind of show how beautiful the world is through my images or through my words or to, you know, amplify the work of people who are doing really, really amazing things. Um, that for me is sort of my, my activism and advocacy. And I don't know necessarily what that means in the next few years. I'm playing with some ideas right now, but, mm-hmm. um, but I know that whatever it is, it's going to be rooted in doing that. Hmm. Is there a quote or a mantra or an affirmation, something that you either turn to or that has helped guide you, I think, uh, on this path, on this journey of creating and sharing and amplifying this work? I guess keep making light would be the one for sure. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful one. Um, (laughs) My final question for you is this, as you reflect on this book and now that it's out in the world and people are reading it and diving in, um, what do you think you've learned the most about yourself? along the way? Is there anything that comes to mind, either a big light bulb or aha moment, or just a lesson that's kind of been wrapped into this journey for you? So one of the biggest surprises and ahas for me actually came as part of the result of researching the book. And it was from a very dear friend of mine, Asha Dornfest, who is a political activist. um, And she's one of the kindest people I know. And I asked her in the book, I'm like, how can you stay kind in a world Mm -hmm. that is increasingly divisive. Like, how do you do that? Expecting her honestly to say, well, you know, my mom just 
raise me that way. And I'm mm-hmm. just, you know, and what she said instead was my kindness is intentional and it's an act of resistance. She says what they want air quotes, right? What they want is they want us fighting and they want mm-hmm. us angry. And my being kind is me saying, I'm not buying that. I'm not going to buy into this binary of I'm good. You're bad. Right. I, I won't do it. She says, I'm not a pushover. And if somebody is abusive to me, I'll step away and, you know, end the conversation, but yeah. I am never going to contribute to the, that acrimony kindness is resistance. And I think that has been something that, um, was really, eye-opening for me because I always thought of kindness was about me being better than the other person, right? Like it's sort of like when they go low, I go high because mm-hmm. I'm awesomer and I'm better. Mm-hmm. I never thought of it as a, no, no, I'm doing this because I'm not going to fall into that trap. And I yeah. really, really loved that. And so that's been something that um, that I've really kept close um, mm-hmm. since doing the book. It's this ability to stay true to yourself and stay true to your values. And I, even when something is hurtful, even when something is unfair, unjust, staying true to who you are in those moments, you'll never yeah. regret it. Yeah, you'll never absolutely regret it. right. And yeah. if that means leading with your kindness, I'm here for it. Yeah, amen. <laughs> Karen, this has been so wonderful. I would love to share where everyone can connect with you, uh, find your your book, your photography. I know you have a podcast. Yeah. Uh, where can everybody find you and, and connect and learn more? So the easiest way um, is karenwalrons.com, K-A-R-E-N-W-A-L-R-O-N-D. My my website is chickalunks.com, but that's a hard word. So just go with karenwalron.com <laughs> and that will get you everywhere to the Instagram, to the Twitter, to the Facebook, to everything else. So that's the best place to find me. Perfect. Everything's going to go in the show notes. So everyone that's listening, head on over, seekthejoypodcast.com slash show notes to uh, check out Karen and find the, the link to her website and all the beautiful things. And Karen, this has been wonderful because this connection between activism and joy is so present. And the more I think that we can step into our joy and allow it to be the fuel that can allows us to continue to move forward, everything else might be a spark, but if that can be the fuel, how beautiful. So Karen, thank you. This has been wonderful. Oh, it's been an honor to be a part of this. Thank you so much for having me. Seek the Joy podcast is a production of Seek the Joy Media and created, produced, and hosted by me, Sydney Weiss. You can tune into all of our episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're enjoying the show, hit follow and leave us a five-star rating and review. Make sure to join the community, join the conversation on our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. And don't forget, you can actually watch today's new episode and all of our episodes on our brand new YouTube channel. Click that link in the show notes to subscribe and tune in. As always, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you right back here next week for another Seek the Joy Tuesday.